0: <laughs> oh it started and here we are this is the intro oh hello i am c Petrio listener podcasting relations and welcome to the petri dish a podcast dedicated to dissecting topics in one delectable dish thanks c Petrio. i can take it from here hello everyone i am petri your host and i am so excited to be here with you, dear listeners, for episode three of the Petri Dish coming to you on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, it's May the 4th be with you, a Star Wars special here on the Petri Dish. I am so very excited because in this episode, not only do we talk about all things Star Wars, but I sit down at the Petri Dish podcasting desk to talk to my very first special guest co-host and one of my dear friends about the Star Wars Skywalker Saga, Episodes 1 through 9. It's all coming up next, so buckle up your seatbelts and put your phones down if you're driving and stay tuned we are here episode three of the petri dish thank you so much for joining me here for this star wars special man if i had to pick one movie franchise to represent me as just a nerd a lover of movies a lover of storytelling i would have to pick hands down star wars Star Wars has been a part of my life basically since birth. I have an older brother who grew up with the original trilogy, and I grew up with the VHS package set. Yes, VHSs were around in the 90s. Hello. (laughs) The VHSs of the special edition remakes of the original trilogy. So I grew up with Star Wars all around me, and I'm very excited to get into talking about this saga of movies with my very first special guest co-host here on the Petri Dish. We will get to that in just a second. But first, let me say here that there are going to be some minor spoilers of the plots of these movies, obviously. And also, if you want to catch up, if you want to make sure you see everything we're going to talk about, make sure that you first watch episodes 4, 5, and 6. That's A New Hope empire strikes back and return of the jedi that is the original trilogy that came out in the late 70s early mid 80s and that is where we will start our talk with our very first special guest co-host right now (laughs) i am so excited about this episode one because i just love star wars and two i get to introduce my very first guest here on the petri dish my co-host for this spectacular Star Wars special we're about to go through. He is the host of the Out in the Woods podcast, a podcast that brings voices to queer voices here in the South, in the Bible Belt. He is the one, the only, none other than Jacob! Hi, Jacob! <laughs> <laughs> At last. <laughs>
1: uh, Cameron, I just want to point out that... You were my first guest on my podcast, and now you finally return the favor, and we don't have to socialize after
0: this. (laughs) So we're here on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. Yes. May the 4th be with you, Jacob.
1: May the 4th be with you, Cameron. Thank
0: you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars. Let's see. Let me start. Jacob, what are some of your earliest memories of Star Wars?
1: So, um... I did not get into Star Wars until I was really, like, introduced to it by a good mutual friend of ours, Will Lovern. Hello, Will. Shout out to Will. But before, before, like, getting to know Will, uh, you know, episode one, The Phantom Menace came out when I was, like, four years old. Yes. And I remember, I have a very fond... Ish memory of one of my cousins for Halloween going as Darth Maul and me just being terrified the whole time, being very scared of Darth Maul as a child. Yeah. Uh, there is a picture of me from the time at one of my brother's football games wearing a Jar Jar Binks T-shirt. Mm. Um, had no idea who Jar Jar Binks was. Mm-hmm. I think I actually fell asleep in the movie theater during Episode One: The Phantom Menace as a four-year-old. So, I was—I ha- guess I was just tuckered out that day. But I do vaguely remember the pod race.
0: Uh, who is your favorite Star Wars character if you had to pick one out of the entire I'm talking canon non-canon
1: honestly just where it stands now I just really love Princess Leia Mm. I know that's like such a generic answer but like no my heart Carrie Fisher Fisher, but like also you know I think that Princess Leia is just so iconic for so many reasons Mm -hmm. I think that she's compelling because she's just very quick on her feet. She's had to take on a leadership role at a very you know, because in the movie she's supposed to be like 17. So like mm-hmm. she's had to like take on a whole lot and she does it with such grace and resilience and looking good too. Oh, Come yeah.
0: on style.
1: <laughs> Come on.
0: Fashion. Fashion. Style. Style. Elegance. Grace.
1: She's got it Leia. all. Other, other than her, Obi-Wan. I think Obi-Wan is really, really cool.
0: I love Obi-Wan, that classic older mentor character that yes. is using so much fiction. He's like the Gandalf of the... Yes.
1: Uh, Honestly, I, you know what? I just, I can't choose one because I'm thinking of the Clone Wars now and a right. song Ventress. You know, I think right. Palpatine is such a compelling character. He's a gay icon. We can get into that later. We can get into how he's a gay icon later. But
0: absolutely
1: love Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's really hard to choose because... For a good number of characters, they're so fleshed out and well written right. that it's it's hard for me to choose. So,
0: my earliest memories of Star Wars, I had an older brother who grew up with the bare bones. This mm-hmm. is Star Wars. Yeah. Here is the trilogy. Here is George Lucas's baby. Yeah. And then I got to experience like the CGI. The mm-hmm. what I, I watched the documentary the other night on Disney Plus, the uh, making of the whole original trilogy, mm-hmm. and. George Lucas himself says, this is what I wanted Star Wars to look like from the beginning. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the 97 Special mm-hmm. Edition. So I grew up with that. So the original trilogy is so nostalgic for me. Phantom Menace came out. I can remember to this day, one of my favorite childhood memories, we went to, like, Toys R Us, because mm-hmm. Toys R Us was still around. The one in Jackson. In Clinton. North Jackson, Yes, Across from Metro. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. By, By the Metro. Yeah. yes. <laughs> Go. I remember going to Toys R Us, mm-hmm. I, can't, I think we got lightsabers, mm-hmm. and then we went to go see the Phantom Menace in theaters. It was so that was my first live Star Wars, and it was just the greatest thing. And speaking of Obi Wan, for me, just a lover of Star Wars already, going to see, oh my gosh, we're gonna see Obi Wan Kenobi.
1: Well, seeing how he could fight, because the only time right. you've <laughs> ever seen him lightsaber duel before was, you know, very...
0: Alec Guinness being like... Yeah,
1: Alec Guinness, phoning it in, you know?
0: <laughs> what is this, star what, what is, is this ludicrous show? That's my terrible right. Alec Guinness impersonation. <laughs> I don't know where they have me <laughs> well, This is for to sell toys for children. I'm a serious actor.
1: <laughs> of the original trilogy, which is your
0: favorite? As a kid, mm-hmm. my favorite was, was Return of the Jedi. hmm with Jabba and that whole yes. opening kind of sequence, yes, Ugh. still
1: love it today. Yes,
0: absolutely. But now as an adult, thinking from like a cinema, cinematographic—is that the word? Cinematic. Cinematic. <laughs> 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 looking, looking at it from a cinematic standpoint, *Empire Strikes Back* I think is one of the best movies
1: of, of all, all time. time. Yeah. Yes.
0: So I would probably go at this point, *Empire*. Return of the Jedi, A New Hope. Okay. What about you?
1: Um, five, six, four. That's my that's my order. Mm. So Empire, Jedi, and A New Hope. But yeah, five is my favorite of the original trilogy. It has the most character development. Mm-hmm. It definitely deals with a lot of more serious tones. I mean, the set pieces. Cloud City is probably my favorite location in all uh. Star Wars. Cloud City is. My 100%. If I had to live anywhere in the Star
0: Wars universe, it would be Cloud City. Gorgeous. Yeah. Me being an air sign, of course, Cloud City, I'm like, I need to go there where there's hardly no one. And you just see the beautiful skies.
1: Right. And as a Capricorn, I'm like, it's luxurious. Yes. It's luxurious. Um, (laughs) Let's also talk about, while we're here, John Williams' score for the original trilogy.
0: Man, listen, I I went... To my Spotify, hello Spotify, who brings us anchor, Uh, I just went through Spotify and saved all the John Williams original albums Mm -hmm. of the the soundtracks, Mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to just start going to sleep listening to them, because they are just so gorgeous.
1: So if anybody out there who might want to eventually date me is listening, I just want (laughs) to let you know that I'm a grown-ass man, I'm 26 years old, and sometimes if I'm on a particularly long drive down the highway, and I'm like, I feel like speeding right now, I'll turn on the asteroid field theme from uh, *Empire Strikes Back* and just zoom on down. It's a mood. It's a <laughs> mood, but also Yoda's theme. Mm. Oh my God, moving, so moving. Whenever, yeah. whenever he pulls that X-wing out of the swamp, and that music just swells. I mean, it could really almost bring a tear to your eye.
0: It really could, because in that moment, Luke's like, "I give up. I'm done." The galaxy is gonna come to an end, basically, and Yon is like, oh, ye of little faith," and just.
1: Well, you know, and, and I think what I think what the original trilogy,
0: I think one of the overarching messages
1: that really still resonates with me today, which is why I think the original trilogy is going to be, you know, in the annals of cinema history forever. Sure, absolutely, is because not only is you know people people are like, well, you know, it's just a classic tale of good and evil, and it's like, yes, but. It also deals a lot with you know sticking with your friends mm-hmm. through incredible odds. It deals with exploring, you know, your own morality. It it deals with it it teaches you that sometimes the easy path is not is not going to to bring you the it's not what's going to be best for you. Sure. You know, Luke could have easily turned to the dark side. Episode 5 would have been a much different movie if Han had actually been like, I really don't want Jabba to find me, so I'm out of here before the ATATs even, t- like, touch down. Mm-hmm. And also, that's kind of what makes him more interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, really and truly, because it's like, I'm literally nobody. I just know how to fly a ship and shoot a gun. Starting with the original, starting with the one that started it all, mm-hmm. Star Wars. Later to be named A New Hope. Love the iconic opening shot. Literally, the Tantai 4 flying out of the way. Right. Big, imposing Star Destroyer comes out of nowhere, which we would find out later that that's not even the biggest they could even make. Right. They got much bigger as time, like, comically bigger as time went on. Sure. But, um, once again, still, you know, hold my breath every time, like, there's that moment when, like, you hear them, like, the things clamp down on the ship and you see, like, the sparks start coming out of the door. Right. Also fun fact about episode 4, we have George Lucas's wife to thank mm-hmm. for the final the Death Star trench run being so well executed because George Lucas originally intended for that scene to be 45 minutes long of him Missing the first shot, going around again, missing it a second time, going around again, missing a third time, and then finally turning off his targeting computer and using the force to shoot the proton torpedo into the exhaust port.
0: Right. I don't think a lot of people realize just how vast George Lucas's creativity yes. and his imagination, especially when it came to practical effects and mm-hmm. CGI, how far ahead. Of the game mm-hmm. he was like a decade ahead of the game at least in his mind mm-hmm. and it's so funny to go back and watch like documentaries of making mm-hmm. star wars and how chaotic and like yes time crunch and how they went over budget and like yes. over schedule and just seeing how much of what george lucas had envisioned do you know do you actually know what took out a
1: major chunk of star wars the original star wars is budget uh, no, they had to pay the movie studio an extra fee. Yes, because they didn't put the they didn't put the credits in the beginning of the film so that they could just have a straight op- you know you could have a long time ago in a galaxy far right. away opening crawl save the credits for the end right
0: I think that happened I don't know if it happened with New Hope I know it happened with Empire mm-hmm. because George Lucas another fun fact I have we have so many fun facts I'm glad we can fill this episode up with fun facts that we have uh, is that George Lucas. From the money that A New Hope made, self financed Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. He made deals with, I guess it was Fox at the time, or Century. No,
1: it was still 20th Century. 20th Century?
0: Yeah. He basically self financed the production of the movie. Mm -hmm. And so, Hollywood being Hollywood's like, oh, well, your credits are at the end, so here's all these fees. Yes. And George Lucas like, this is why I hate the industry. (laughs) I have another fun fact about Empire Strikes Back. One of the best scenes in Empire is, speaking of Han mm-hmm. being frozen carbonite, is when he's about to go down. Mm-hmm. And in the script, it is written, spoiler alert, that Leia says, I love you. And mm-hmm. he says, I love you too. And the director and Harrison Ford were like, this does not feel right mm-hmm. for this character to just, you know, give in to the romance and the la data. So the director said, just be in the moment, Harrison. Just, so, the iconic, I love you, and then Han Solo, Han Solo going, I know, was just totally ad-libbed in that moment.
1: It and was I, literally like the 60th take. Like, they right. did it, like, over and over and over again. But also, fun fact about the director, Irving Kirshner, yes. who directed Empire Strikes Back, phenomenal job. I think that that's, I mean, I love you, George Lucas, but <laughs> I think that that's part of the reason why it is such a, cine- like, it hits all of these great cinematic notes,
0: right? specifically, um, right, because you have the experience of Kirshner. Right. And but then you had the, cre- the vast creativity of George Lucas right. in the backseat.
1: And, and that's the thing. Fun fact about Irving Kershner, he was actually George Lucas's professor right. in, in film school. Mm-hmm. And he loved Irving Kirshner so much, he was like, Would you like to direct the sequel to my <laughs> smash hit blockbuster? Like, we'll
0: be rich.
1: Right, oh, no. exactly.
0: <laughs> Any other thoughts about the original trilogy?
1: Even though they saved Palpatine for the last, like, we'll talk more about Palpatine in the, sure. in the prequel trilogy because he played, you know, he was in all three. But um, right. I said earlier that I considered Emperor Palpatine a gay icon. Yeah. Uh, and that is because he, he finds his own evil so delicious. Yes. And he just finds it so sumptuous. Yes. I mean, specifically in the throne room scene, whenever he has an answer for every single thing that Luke is like, well, I think you're going to get beat this way. And he's like,
0: oh. We're talking about Return of the Jedi. Yes. We're talking
1: about Return of the Jedi. The line, uh, I don't remember what Luke says, but then he like, t- but Palpatine just turns around and like cocks his head to the side. And he's like,
0: oh, <laughs> I'm afraid you'll find this stage. that's oh. fully Operate like, oh, I'm afraid. Something, something's quite operational. He's a,
1: he's a sassy gay. Bitch.
0: When your friends arrive.
1: And yeah, he's like your, your pride will be your downfall. Your freaking your friends is yours. Like, oh my god. Like, damn, go off, queen. Like, come on now. Yes, queen, pop off, pop off, pop off. David, I mean, also Darth Vader. Come on, Darth. Oh my, great stuff.
0: So David Prowse was the physical actor Yes. who embodied Darth Vader. Yes. And then James Earl Jones voices Darth Vader. He is from Mississippi.
1: Yes. Also, the design elements uh, of Darth Vader, you know, uh, George Lucas talks about how he was very inspired by samurai movies. If you have access to the Criterion channel, you can go back and watch some old Japanese samurai movies.
0: He also was heavily influenced by Joseph Campbell who is a big mythology writer. Writes the hero's journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And that's what Star Wars, once again, he set out to make a story about the hero's journey. Yeah. Right,
0: yeah. Well, that's the, that's the original trilogy. That's yes. our uh, uh, quick rundown of the yes. original, original trilogy. Uh, let's take a short break, Jacob, and we'll get into the prequels, which I think... From what we've already talked about, we'll probably have different perspectives. Okay, okay. On the
1: Let's get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll
0: take a quick break and we'll be right back. Have you
1: ever wondered what it's like being gay in the heart of the Bible Belt? Have you ever felt like you're the only LGBT person in your whole family? Or have you been looking for something different? If so, check out Out in the Woods, a weekly podcast where your friendly Southern Gaberhood host, Jacob, that's me, talks about everything from coming out to finding your tribe, dating, and sometimes even Star Wars. Subscribe today so you don't miss what's coming out of the
0: closet tomorrow. Welcome back to the Petri Dish. Before Jacob and I get into the prequels of the Skywalker saga of Star Wars, make sure you've seen Episodes 1, 2, and 3. That is The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. If you would like some bonus extra credit homework, before you watch Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, make sure you go watch Genndy Tartakovsky's Star Wars Clone Wars, that is the 2D miniseries that came out on Cartoon Network. And then from there, make sure you go watch the Clone Wars movie. That is the animated movie that introduces us to the character Ahsoka, which is the introduction to the Defiloni Faloni 3D Star Wars The Clone Wars animated series, which just had its last season premiere on Disney Plus last year. So check out those two serieses and make sure you check out that movie. And then after you're done with those three, you can go into episode three, Revenge of the Sith, with a little bit more of the backstory of the wider Star Wars universe that is not necessarily seen in the Skywalker saga that we are going through today. So with all that out of the way, let's get back to our conversation with Jacob. Yeah, the prequels of Star Wars. They came out 22 years, I think we talked Mm -hmm. while we were on break, 22 Mm. years after the originals. In the prequels, we go back to see Darth Vader as his child self, as Anakin Skywalker.
1: Yes. The the prequels have a different tone and yeah. feel. The prequels took advantage of the CGI that they had at the time, so there were a lot of green screen use. There was a mm. lot of big, big set pieces, larger than life set sure. pieces, but at the same time, you know, and maybe I have a less biased opinion because I'm not one of the people that have been fans of Star Wars, you know, since the first one came out. But I think that I think that the prequels still have their own merit. I really sure. do. I really think that the Clone Wars animated series really helped kind of bridge some of those yes. some of those gaps that I feel like a lot of people felt. But overall, no, I think the prequels did their job and did them well, and I think that it showed us bigger parts of the galaxy that sure. and how. I guess, like, the galaxy operated before it was taken over by an oppressive regime, you know?
0: Yeah. Episode 1 has, to me, just as much nostalgic value as just going to the movies. But it also, as a fan of Star Wars... Since the beginning. As a fan of Star Wars, basically since birth, you know, with my older brother, Mm -hmm. letting me digest the original trilogy so much Mm -hmm. and so well going into the prequels going into The Phantom Menace specifically seeing Darth Maul Mm -hmm. whip out that double bladed lightsaber on the trailers seeing Qui-Gon Jinn and a young Obi-Wan Kenobi that I was so excited to see Obi-Wan Kenobi like really in action like Mm -hmm. we kind of talked about Mm -hmm. it was my first Star Wars Mm -hmm. in the theater Mm -hmm. which was really exciting for me
1: and it's you know it's still just as big and fun as the original, I mean you still have a great space battle, you still have a sure. lightsaber duel, you have a very compelling villain. Odagunga, the pod mm. race scene. Yeah. It was not until much later people were like, Charger Pinks is really annoying. You know, like <laughs> I think I think the only weird thing for me that I can still take away from episode one, the only thing where I'm like, oh, nah, is it's just kind of weird to me that Anakin Skywalker built C3PO. I guess they just had to find some way to introduce C3PO. And they were was, like, you know what? We'll just do this. That's fine. That's fine.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, how else would they introduce C3PO? How would you, Jacob? How bring, would I introduce? introduce C3PO? I mean,
1: literally, he could also just be one of Padme's handmade
0: droids. Because that's as cool as this kid building an intelligent robot.
1: Oh, I'm naked. <laughs> Don't look. My pots are showing. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
0: So, Attack of the Clones. Yes, we see for the first time countless Jedi, the Battle Geonosis, and seeing Yoda pull out his lightsaber, yes, and kick Dooku's butt for the first time. Yes, I think saves the Clone Wars in a lot of ways because it definitely has some of the cringiest the lines, the the sand scene. Yeah, well, I hate sand.
1: Which, you know, the scene where, like, he's at his mother's funeral, though, like, out in the middle of the desert, that actually was very touching, and his acting was very good in that moment.
0: Attack of the Clones is definitely the where we see Hayden Christensen portray it, but we see yes. Anakin kind of start to break, especially with the death of his mother, who yes. is his foundation, yes. honestly. And we see him start to finally break and question things, and... I want to say, stick up for himself in regards to, especially, like, falling in love with Padme.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Once again, you know, going back to comparing it to Han and Leia, you know, the love story, you know, the love story for Anakin and Padme is a forbidden love. You know, they can't be in love because he's a Jedi, and, you know, that goes against the Jedi code. Even though, like, if you go into the expanded universe, like, some (laughs) Jedi were married. Right. But that's one of the cynical detractions from the Jedi Order is that you're not supposed to form attachments. Mm-hmm. You know, you were supposed to be free of such attachments. And Anakin, because, you know, he started in the Jedi Order so late, right. he already had attachments to his mother, sure. to wanting to free her from slavery. You know, he already had formed an attachment with Padme. He he had formed an attachment with Obi-Wan, which, you know, is kind of why... It, it all fell apart in Revenge of the Sith. And Palpatine
0: took full advantage of that. Sure. And I think that's what Qui-Gon, bringing it back to Qui-Gon and, yeah. and episode one, I think that's what Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon saw this raw emotional potential yes. in Anakin. And I don't, I think why Qui-Gon is so pivotal and the death of Qui-Gon, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the death of Qui-Gon is so pivotal in Anakin's trajectory for the rest of the prequels. Is that Qui Gon saw this raw emotional potential in Anakin and wanted it to har- and wanted to harness it for good because Qui Gon, like Anakin, questioned so many times why the order why the Jedi order stuck to so many uh, such dogma such right exactly and uh, speaking of the Emperor we we begin to see how the Emperor is starting to weave his right well, because, way into Anakin's you know, mind. I was
1: going to say so like the thing about Palpatine is. First of all, he didn't have a name in the original trilogy, so if you literally just went in this not knowing who Ian McDermott was, right. and not recognizing him right. under those pounds of latex makeup to make him look shriveled, right. then you would have been totally surprised. You'd have been like, who's this nice old man taking interest in Anakin? He seems, like, really <laughs> nice. Oh, he's becoming the Chancellor? Great. Like, oh, how cute! Oh, how cute! Bless his heart. Right, exactly. <laughs> but then, like, as time goes on, you're kind of like, oh. Right. Oh. 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 And it's, once again, it's not really until episode three that, you know, he, you know, throws it off and you you find, you know, you finally get like the actual big reveal and you actually get to see, you actually get to understand uh, Palpatine's master plan because once Anakin kind of figures out like, wait, you're the Sith Lord. Right. Then it's like, okay, well now let's reveal everything.
0: (laughs) Let's let's officially move on to yes, episode three. Episode, three yeah. episode two, cool Yoda, lots of Jedi, Dooku, cool sand scene, cringe. Cool. Right, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. I think is where Jacob. I don't know. That
1: was the first one that I remember seeing in the movie theater. Right. right. Yeah. You, no, go ahead. Oh well, <laughs> I was just gonna say, you know, it was very harrowing. You know, yeah. once again, I binge watched one and two multiple times, like months before three right. finally hit the theaters. And uh, yeah, I just remember going to see it and just being, you know, high drama the mm. whole time. I mean, one of the best openings to a Star Wars movie ever. Yeah. The Battle of Coruscant, really great space battle scene. The droid, like the battle between the Separatists and the Republic, has finally come to a head. Right. If you watch the animated two D Clone Wars series. Uh, in the months leading up you would see you know uh, you would see that it leads directly into the Battle of Coruscant this is the movie where Palpatine is 100% like he has full unadulterated access to Anakin in this one yes. this is when he gets closest and this is when he decides the time is right to just finally take hold from the very beginning of the movie whenever you know they kind of do a mirror of Return of the Jedi, where there's the big throne room Mm -hmm. and the space battle going on outside, except this time Palpatine is being held captive. Right. And he, you know, he just... Obi-Wan just, by the pure chance of the Force, gets knocked out. So Palpatine's like, I don't have to, like, great. (laughs) That's where we get do it from. Right. And Anakin beheads Count Dooku.
0: Ten minutes into... This this yes, movie, yes. we see Anakin, who's supposed to be the chosen one, the light, the save the galaxy. Do what I, I'm pretty sure is not allowed.
1: Well, well, and also he specifically he, Palpatine. He questions it. He doesn't at first. He's right. he's not gonna do it at first. But then Palpatine is literally like, he's too dangerous to be kept alive, Anakin. Mm. And when that's not enough, he's like, you remember what happened with your mother on Gas Tatooine? Yes, literally. And so. That's, that's one of the cringe parts of episode three, though, is because when he says that, he's like, remember your mother. You, right. you can hear the the uh, the Tusken Raiders in right. the background, like, in his memory. Because we're bringing
0: it back, too. Because Palpatine, like Qui-Gon, understands the power that Anakin's emotions have on Anakin. Mm-hmm. Anakin's emotions make him powerful. I think Anakin's a Scorpio. But anyway. <laughs> 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 because we see Palpatine manipulate Anakin into believing that exactly what the dark side is all about my anger my rage at what has happened to me mm-hmm. has to fuel me yes and we see Palpatine especially in that opening scene tell Ana- manipulate Anakin into doing what he's not supposed to do which is to kill Dooku right and even to Dooku's surprise if you don't know Dooku is Palpatine the Sith Lord Lord Sidious's Sith apprentice Darth Tyrannus Darth Tyrannus is his Sith name. So when Dooku's sitting there with two lightsabers at his neck, at his throat, Mm -hmm. and his master is like, hey, kill him. Right. Dooku's like, uh, excuse me? What? This is not in the plan. So finally seeing Palpatine slash Lord Sidious finally start to just manifest his evil plan through Anakin, who is this potential of either immense goodness or immense evil, Palpatine's finally like, okay, it is time to capitalize.
1: You also get, you know, what is essentially the precursor to Darth Vader, which is General Grievous in this movie. That's
0: right. That's right. I I can't believe we haven't mentioned General Grievous. (laughs) Um,
1: Really, once again, the prequels were full of one-off characters that were going to only be, they were going to be there and dead the next minute within the same movie. Right. But uh, General Grievous is one of the most impactful, which, once again, he's featured way more in the Clone Wars, a much bigger player in the Clone Wars TV series. Grievous is really the kind of guinea pig to see, could we put something organic in a robot suit and also let them maintain lightsaber-wielding abilities? Mm -hmm. They went to the extreme with Grievous, though, because he had four (laughs) <laughs> he he had four arms and was a slice and dice and machine, but yeah, you also get to you get the best uh, performances and the best writing for each of the main characters in episode three because mm. you have Anakin being seduced, you have Palpatine doing the seducing, right. you have Obi Wan who's going through this arch. Uh, where he's having to really come to terms with with all of the big circumstances going on around him and his struggle with his apprentice, who is, you know... We talked earlier about how the Jedi encourage you not to have any attachments, but even Obi-Wan forms an attachment with Anakin. He loves Anakin. He's like a brother. He says it.
0: Right. We even also, fun fact, find out Obi-Wan had a romantic relationship. Yes. We see in the Clone uh, War series. With
1: the Queen of Mandalore. Thank you. I, yes. I couldn't
0: remember what her title was, but yeah. Yes.
1: And uh, fun fact, Darth Maul kills the f*** <laughs> out of her. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, needless to say, Obi-Wan, but that's the, that's the difference is Obi-Wan learns Uh, his lesson about forming attachments and is able to is able to move on and still healthily deal with that loss (laughs) whereas Anakin was not equipped for that at all
0: and that's a great point that you we don't really get to see in the movie yes is that Anakin thinks Obi-Wan doesn't know what he's talking about Obi-Wan's never been in love Obi-Wan doesn't understand what I'm going through when in fact we don't see it in the movie but Obi-Wan actually has gone exactly what you're going through but had but had chosen the path of the Jedi right you know
1: but but also the difference here too is that unfortunately unfortunately for Anakin rather Obi-Wan had no choice in the matter of the love of his life mm. being killed Anakin Killed. <laughs> right. Killed the love of his life. Order sixty six. Order sixty six, big thing. Basically, uh it's revealed in the clone wars once again that there was a microchip implanted in all of the clones that basically would make them uh do
0: The Emperor's bidding. The Emperor's bidding as soon as he said Order sixty six. Which if you don't know Order sixty six basically was the order to wipe out all the Jedi. Jedi
1: genocide. Yes. Uh, Palpatine, of course, is a this only occurs after once again, they just handed it to him after uh, Mace Windu's like, oh, like you're saying that Palpatine's this is the Sith Lord. Because Anakin does have, like, a bit of a change of heart. Anakin's like, you know, I I should tell somebody.
0: Right. Take it from Terry. This is getting a little too far. Right. (laughs) Take it from Terry. Fun fact, I actually know the voice of Terry. Chris. (laughs) Hi, Chris, if you're listening. (laughs) Take it from Terrence. You better tell somebody. Yes, Anakin definitely could have taken some advice from Terrence. Hi, Chris. Yes. (laughs)
1: Um, but, but unfortunately, uh, Mace, and honestly, it's really incredible. Mace Windu actually, he was about to defeat, he was about to defeat Palpatine. If it were not for Anakin walking in at the last minute and cutting off his arms, Mace Windu would have ended it right then and there. And the fun fact about Mace Windu, his, uh, his force style and his fighting style Mm -hmm. actually, um... He drew from the dark side and his own right. rage and focused it right. to use the force and to make strikes with his lightsaber. So he was still able—he was still able to have those emotions, but instead of just letting them fuel his power and let you know be seduced by them, he right. controlled them in, instead of letting them control him.
0: Right, which is is interesting in regards to Mace Windu. Samuel L. Jackson went to George Lucas and was like. I want to stand out. Going back to the Clone Wars Mm -hmm. and that big battle, I want to stand out amongst all these other uh, Jedi. So I want a purple lightsaber, which then eventually evolved to like kind of symbolically representing Mace as a character. Yes. Mace as a Jedi.
1: Also, the big, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that Palpatine uses on Anakin, the biggest thing that help that helps Anakin turn to the dark side, is that Palpatine lets lets him in on the fact that he knows how to keep people alive. Absolutely. And Anakin has been having bad dreams about uh, Padme dying in childbirth. Literally, like, right after they crash land that ship mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the movie, Padme comes up and she's like, guess what, Anakin? I have great news. I'm mm-hmm. pregnant. And mm-hmm. so that further complicates his relationship with Padme, because, once again, nobody knows they're married and they're not supposed to be married. Mm-hmm. He's already in hot water with the Jedi Order for killing Dooku. Right. Um, which, strategically speaking, is also, you know, not beyond the Jedi thing, if he had captured Dooku, they could have captured him, gotten all the information they needed out of him. You know, all of that. But he's in hot water for doing that, letting his emotions get the best of him. So it's already bad. They would not take very kindly if they found out that he also was having a, a secret marriage. Right. And he's afraid of losing everything. He already lost his mom. He couldn't prevent her from dying. Right. You know, right. he couldn't prevent Qui-Gon from dying.
0: So by the time the Emperor finally has control over Anakin. Yes. And by the time Anakin technically becomes Darth Vader... Order 66 goes out. Mm-hmm. People like, all right, I've got my man, now kill the rest of them. Yes. Which to me, seeing that uh, for the first time, seeing so many of my favorite Jedi be killed right in front of me, some of them that I fell in love with, speaking of the Gindy Tartakovsky, mm-hmm. that some, some oh, that yeah. got fleshed out. Luminara, in, yes. you know,
1: Shock all Ma- of those. Right.
0: Many of those uh, Side B-cast, yeah. B-cast, yeah. B-cast yeah. Jedi Get get their their time to shine in the Ala Sakura yes, on in...
1: Felutia. Yes. Which honestly, Star Wars Battlefront 2, the original for uh, PlayStation 2 uh, and all that, they classic. Have the, the story mode for that was actually you played as the 501st Legion mm-hmm. through from the Clone Wars all the way through the Galactic Civil War. Right. And uh you got a lot of it's no longer canon of course, but you mm-hmm. got a lot of backstory into, you know, what happened during Order Sixty Six and right. everything like that. And you know how emotional it made the clones. You know, the thing is, that was another thing about watching it in the theater as a as a ten year old kid. Right. You know, I just remember being so, just feeling so harrowed watching Palpatine's true form come about whenever he's trying to electrocute Mace Windu and he's getting it back at him, and he's like right. shriveling and turning into the Palpatine that we all knew from the original trilogy. Right, right. And then, whenever Mace Windu gets his hands cut off, and you, as an audience member, watching it for the first time, realize, like, oh, it's over. Oh, no. Like, this this is the key moment. This is the turning point. And this, then, right. power. Right.
0: Unlimited power. That line, the way the, way the Emperor delivers that line, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this movie... The rest of this movie belongs to the dark side.
1: The emperor loves the dark side. You can tell it so much in this movie. It's intoxicating. for The me. dark
0: side, I love it. I love. Um, so seeing, yeah. So going back to Order Sixty Six. But yeah, it, six. Scared,
1: it was it was sad as a kid. It like sure. it made it made my heart drop because yes. like it once Order Sixty Six gets executed, that's when you get to watch like the clones all across the galaxy start murking the Jedi. <laughs> yes. And then the Jedi Temple, the burning of the Jedi Temple. Right.
0: It was such a pivotal moment for mm-hmm. Star Wars as a saga. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the turning point of what we should consider as the main character of the entire yes. saga, which is yes. Anakin slash Darth Vader slash Anakin returning yes. at the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. So seeing that moment of him finally just giving in to the dark mm-hmm. side, seeing it and it, literally seeing it in his eyes, it was just such a pivotal moment. Yes. As far as a, being a Star Wars fan. Master
1: Anakin there are right. too many of them what are we going to do?
0: Oh man. Oh, and they sh- just, <laughs> I had heard, fun fact, I heard if, you, if you're if you familiar with the scene where Anakin spoiler alert kills Jedi younglings mm-hmm. <laughs> I had heard that he had scared that kid in real life uh-huh. and that job that the kid does uh-huh. is very genuinely fear. Oh, <laughs> and that just makes me love it. So more as an adult who doesn't want kids, <laughs> this makes me love it so much more. Man, *Revenge of the Sith* the ending, the fight between Obi Wan and Anakin.
1: Yes, Steven Spielberg actually shot that whole sequence.
0: That final fight on Mustafar.
1: Mustafar.
0: We actually have the movie playing. We do. There they're next they're to getting us. in
1: her. They're getting in her ship to go to Mustafar, and uh, Obi Wan's about to hide in the bathroom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seeing these two duke it out for basically good versus evil mm-hmm. and to see how at the end when Anakin tries to overtake Obi-Wan even when he's at a disadvantage we get the classic it's over Anakin I am right. the high ground seeing the I don't know if I want to call it evil in Anakin mm-hmm. but just seeing the fire in Anakin this is I've decided Obi-Wan this is it Yeah, I'm doing this for the love of my life I'm doing this to save her and I don't care if I have to basically give my soul to the devil. Right. It, I don't care if I have to literally kill you, my best friend and mentor. Yeah. I'm doing this. Well, I'm, and the
1: yellow and red contacts help, too. <laughs> the <laughs> yellow and red contacts. <laughs> yes.
0: But seeing that moment and seeing Obi-Wan be like, Anakin, don't do it. Right. Like, because well, this then,
1: is it, buddy. Right. Like, you have a choice. You can literally stay right there. And, <laughs> Just stay right there. going to spare you. <laughs> Take a breather. <laughs> well, but Anakin also really, I mean... Palpatine really convinced Anakin that, like, he was going to let Anakin, you know, basically... Which, Darth Vader was kind of his right-hand man, but he was less of a right-hand man and more of, like, a hitman for for the Emperor at the end of the day. He was just a hitman that had, you know, diplomatic immunity.
0: At least at this point in his early career as Darth Vader, for sure.
1: But, like, but he was really under the impression that it was that he was going to share the throne with Palpatine because he says when I have my empire your empire <laughs> yeah um also we didn't even mention the battle between Yoda and the emperor which, oh, no, we did which once again so harrowing because once again y- you go on that roller coaster as an audience member because you're like watching this happen you're know, like I have n- already seen the original trilogy, but I right. really have hope that Yoda can like pull this one off somehow. Yeah,
0: that's the thing about especially if you've already seen how it ends. Yeah, you know, going back and seeing it play out for the first time, it was just, it was like the weight of the second, I want, I guess, I guess the third act of the movie. Right. Right. Is just so, as you put it, harrowing and just dark because you know it's not going to turn out good. Right. You know. He's not going to pick the right side at the end of the day. Yeah. You know he's going to choose this. And you know he's going, if you've seen the original, you know he's going to turn into Darth Vader by the end of this movie. Right. And when I saw it happen for the first time, I guess starting at the point when, spoiler alert, Anakin jumps up. He gets his arms and legs caught off by his mentor who just said, hey, you need to calm down. And seeing him literally just burn. Burn. As Obi-Wan leaves him there. I think obviously quite literally and metaphorically, burns up the last bit of g- goodness Anakin has for now. Yes. Right? And I think that moment, mm-hmm. the one when he is defeated by his yes. own arrogance, yes. right? Yes. I think that's the, really the turning point when Darth Vader was literally birthed through fire. Yes.
1: <clears throat> Baptized by fire. Baptized by fire. Yes.
0: That's why I think Anakin's a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing how that plays out yes. towards the end of the movie seeing how we're seeing it literally on screen right we have the episode playing seeing how even his wife is like begging him uh, this is before he gets burned right back a little bit S- seeing how everyone around him is like this is not how right how we need to go about this and he's just like I am the chosen one I know I have seen it I've seen it happen in the future I've seen it in my mind I know what I have to do to save you yes. And it's really just a touching moment to see how his wife is, like, just begging him.
1: But he's so short-sighted. That's the thing. He's so short-sighted. All he can think about is her, is saving her life to the point where it really, but, you know, you say that, Cameron, but in a way, I think all of that falls to the wayside once he becomes drunk with power. Yeah. Because we're watching right now. He sees Obi-Wan and he's like, you brought him here to kill me chokes her out even though like the whole reason he's here in the first place is because he was supposed to save her life right it's like I don't know if he realized he killed her in that moment or it was going to lead to her death somewhere down the line but like pretty pretty careless for someone who's like I really am I'm doing this so I can save your life and give our kids a better future okay Padme right
0: which is really just a we just, we just watched him choke his wife right. on the on the screen. Right. And I'm wondering if it's like paranoia because he's like, you you brought him here, Obi-Wan we're talking about, you yeah. brought Obi-Wan here to kill me. Even his own wife, he doesn't see.
1: He, right. Even though she's making no indication that she wants him dead. Right. She's literally just like, hey, at like, this point, please, I love you. Like, right. And
0: all he sees is an obstacle yes. in his way. Even if she is the thing he is trying to save. Yes. At this moment when... They get to Mustafar and Obi-Wan and Padme are trying to stop him. Yes. It's just, it's just,
1: man. And the only good thing at the end of this movie, the only shred of hope is that the twins are born, Luke mm-hmm. and Leia, who would become Luke and Leia, but then Padme dies and you're like,
0: damn. Man, that was a good talk on, well, the whole prequel, but right. Yeah. This, the episode three really does, yeah, have such an impact, especially on us, the generation that grew up with the prequels let's take a quick break and we will get into our favorite oh yeah
1: i'm just chomping at the bit the
0: sequels which just came out we will get to those right after this short break here on the petri dish stay tuned let's talk about anchor the free app brought to you by spotify that brings you amazing podcasts like the petri dish and many more Anchor has all the tools you need to record and create your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you to all major podcasting platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And best of all, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app today or go to Anchor FM to get started. welcome back to the star wars special here on the petri dish before my guest host jacob and i get into the sequels of the skywalker saga make sure you have seen them all those are episodes seven eight and nine the force awakens the last jedi and the rise of skywalker if you want some extra credit homework make sure you also watch the star wars rebels animated series and now back to my conversation with jacob we are at the sequels of Star Wars. Yes,
1: now we're starting to fester in a <laughs> petri dish. Le-
0: <laughs> <laughs> the cultures have been a brewing and it's very, been... <laughs> it's very yeasty. Oh gosh. So Force
1: Awakens comes out. Yeah, yeah. What year was that? That was 2015. 2015. That was 2015.
0: So the Force Awakens comes out in 2015. It's the first Star Wars movie in In ten years. In ten years. Yeah. In a decade. Yeah. For that alone, I was hyped. Same. At that I point. mean, how could you not
1: be? And all of the trailers and advertising that they did for right. it made it look excellent, like a you know, a big return. I mean, the thing that I think a lot of people were really excited about was to see what the characters from the original trilogy were up to now. Right, especially <laughs> since in real time. Right. So much time had to yes. <laughs> move on. Precursor. before we start talking about The Force Awakens, before we (laughs) dive in, George Lucas had treatments for what he thought the sequel trilogy should be. He presented them to Kathleen Kennedy and Disney, and they took microscopic elements from those and were like, the rest of this we don't want. The Force Awakens, I think that it was a solid beginning to a new trilogy. I think that it bridged the gap really well or rather it was just a good start after all of this time you know Luke Skywalker's missing so you already have the intrigue there Sure, yes. you have Kylo Ren who I think is the most compelling and interesting character of the entire sequel trilogy I think that's my favorite part of the sequel trilogy is Kylo Ren Poe Dameron who if you kept up with the press releases like everybody was (laughs) because it's the internet age at this point so we're all like reading up every single thing that we see on our Facebook wall about it you know we already know okay Poe Dameron's like the hot shot he's like the cool pilot guy and then you have this really great concept of dorm troopers who are now on a volunteer basis you know so you have this one but then you kind of figure out like oh no these are like people who were taken in as children like kind of kidnapped basically and you're like okay that's like a completely different element you have the mysterious Supreme Leader Snoke who's a giant hologram. Right. And then you have Rey. Right. And you know, the whole time, you know, through the whole movie, you know, it. you basically, it's implied like, oh yeah, like Rey has force powers. And right. You have Moscanada's castle which is like a, it's like a watering hole, like really cool, <laughs> different location. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very, it's very reminiscent of England. You get to see the Millennium Falcon again with a new radar yes. dish which I remember in the movie theater watching that moment where they're like, I guess it's the junk. And so they run and then you see it's the Millennium Falcon and everyone just cheered. You know, you yes. have the musical swell. Really great space fight. Really great scene uh, where the Falcon, I guess they literally like Tokyo Drift the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. You know?
0: And then seeing... Han and Chewie for the first time getting
1: to see Han and Chewie the Tar scene I thought that was a little ridiculous but at the same time <laughs> once again I was like well this is Star Wars so after this all it's, yeah. I was going to say it's not out of the realm of possibility sure. I felt bad for Chewbacca being shot uh, that right. pulled my heartstrings, and once again Kylo Ren his rage his anger you know wearing the mask and everything like
0: that and his worship of yes, his grandfather of his grandfather
1: BB-8 was a great... I liked BB-8. Yeah, I yeah. thought BB-8 was cute. I thought he was a great addition. Sure. I think he's a nice little droid. Whatever. I don't have any complaints <laughs> about BB-8. Starkiller base built into to Ilum, which... Huh, go and play some games. You'll find out that that planet's Ilum. Um. Right. Okay, let's just get right into it. I think people were mad that they killed Han Solo. But yeah. knowing that Harrison Ford was tired of playing Han Solo, yes. I was fine with it. And they did it they did it in such a great way I mean that was that was a great cinematic moment probably the best in that movie
0: I agree I was just about to say that as far as a cinematic moment that moment spoiler alert when Kylo Ren kills his own father you have
1: the because you have the sunlight because the weapons about to fire off you have that sunlight over him when Han is appealing to him trying to get him to come back and then the light disappears and it goes dark and that's when Kylo Ren is like thank you and kills him you know Perfect, right. perfect, perfectly shot, everything like that,
0: and the classic falling to the depths. Yes, that falling, classic Star Wars falling depth. into
1: the depths, and then you know the movie kind of ends with Ray going off, and they put them out together, right. and they
0: they find Luke Skywalker, and then it ends on that cliffhanger, Right. literally
1: because it is on a cliff. So,
0: <laughs> and also I'm pretty well. We kind of see it in Empire Strikes Back, but this really felt like one of the first times Star Wars leaves you on a cliffhanger yes with so many questions Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like who is Rey what is Luke doing out here on his own yes The Force Awakens I probably would rank as my favorite I think you would too probably our favorite out of the sequel
1: the questions that it raised were so interesting sure And it did its job of just starting a new trilogy and continuing the story. Leaves a lot of interest at the end. Right. Really well done. Introduces all the new characters really well. Perfect.
0: And then we move into episode eight. The Last
1: Jedi you know once again after seeing The Force Awakens I was like yeah totally excited for this yeah you know it's got a dark it's obviously got a darker tone you know like The Empire Strikes Back had a darker tone I'm cool with that right Luke Skywalker in the trailer says it's time for the Jedi to end and you're like oh my god like what does this mean right a little bit so for the press junket before the movie even came out, Ryan Johnson uh, was talking about you know his view of Star Wars and his experience as a kid when he had the uh, Millennium Falcon toy mm-hmm. and he talked about throwing it at the ground and breaking it and he was like, and that's how I feel about my direction of Star Wars. I'm breaking the mold. I'm doing something different. And he did. He sure, he sure did, did. He <laughs> did. And the thing is the movie is polarizing because there are people who love the Last Jedi. There are people right. who consider it the best of the sequel trilogy and one of their favorite Star Wars movies of all time because right. they feel like it really is fresh. Yeah. And I can't argue that it, it delves into different territory. Some people, I'm sorry, Will. Will, I know you <laughs> hate the porgs. Hi, they bro. were cute. They were cute enough. I thought they were fun, fun little things. Yeah. The plot is literally a space chase. Ancillary to that is uh, Ray's Jedi training. The other part of it is them trying to get into the onto Snoke's ship.
0: And we see this big fight at the end with Kylo and Ray.
1: Yes, in Snoke's throne room. In Snoke's throne room. Even though Supreme Leader Snoke has been built up to be, like, this this mysterious, like, ancient thing that has no explanation right
0: some people thought he was like palpatine reincarnate
1: right or like darth uh Plagueis the wise right. or you know something but once again he comes from the unknown regions all we know is that he comes from a place in the unknown regions mysteriously right. they found him by pure coincidence and and all of this so very mysterious very creepy yeah, so he's very powerful and yet he has this whole monologue where he has his eyes closed so he can't see Kyler <laughs> Ren turning the lightsaber on him, but he says, turns the lightsaber on his true enemy and then it turns out he he was talking about himself because right. he gets cut right in half. And also Kyler Ren point blank tells Ray like, Hey, you're nobody, your parents were just a bunch of drunks like that right. were that sold you off. Last Jedi ends basically the the Resistance is gone except for like everyone that managed to get on the Millennium Falcon, which can only hold like thirty people max. So like they're all on the Millennium Falcon. Ray has Luke's books. Luke has a change of heart at the end. He force astral projects and distracts Kylo Ren while everyone gets the the heck out of there.
0: When they show him about to fight Kylo, Mm -hmm. probably about to see Luke back in action. And we get what we get, right? <laughs> he got exactly. just bobs and weaves, and you know, is a distract basically what he was. A distraction, right. Well, and the, which what, causes him to die.
1: Like what? Right. Well, and you only find out that he's a distract. You only find out that he's a distraction because like Kylo puts the the lightsaber through him, and it doesn't like go through him. It just like right. you know materializes through him, and you know Luke is really getting this chance at redeem- of redeeming himself and confronting and confronting Kylo Ren. Right. So, yeah, so the movie ends that way, and we're all kind of mad for a couple of years. Rise of Skywalker, it opens with Mustafar. You know, he's on Mustafar killing all the locals. He finds like the little map thing, the little wayfinder. He goes to Exegol, has to fly through like this space gas and everything, like this dangerous route to get to Exegol. That's the only way you can get there. And Exegol is very aesthetic. I mean, really and truly, it has that good like post apocalypse, like egypt aesthetic going on where it's just like barren and there's fog everywhere there's this ancient sith temple that has statues of lots of sith even sith that we used to think were only canon Mm -hmm. in whenever before the sequel trilogy and there's a tank with a bunch of uh supreme leader snoke parts floating around in there and then that gives me pause right and then all of a sudden there's Palpatine, but he's attached to a giant robot arm.
0: Who we Palpatine who we haven't seen. Who we have
1: not seen, who we have assumed is dead. Right.
0: The first time I mean, I'm pretty sure, quote me if I'm wrong, the those the last two movies we were the only two movies that we don't see in, Palpatine yes. in yes. some form.
1: Yes. And keep in mind too, keep in mind too, you know, we knew that Palpatine was going to be in this movie from the get from the get-go, only because whenever the first teaser came out that showed all of the great footage. It was like, oh, wow, like, I'm really excited for this. And then they say for the very end, you just hear Palpatine cackling. Yeah, you
0: just hear his voice. And
1: it's like, okay, great, I'm on board. So Palpatine's, like, there on Exegol, and then he kind of reveals to Kylo Ren, like, all right, like, I'm about to give you all of this power. uh, And by this power, I mean, I just put a giant gun on a bunch of Star Destroyers. (laughs) That literally can blow up a planet. So there's just a planet gun on all of these Star Destroyers. See, it's a fleet of them. Poe and Finn have their arc going on. You know, they're, like, trying to get information about the First Order and everything. Because, you know, the Resistance is kind of building back up again. Right. And, you know, all they need is, like, a good foot in the door to, like, really defeat the First Order. You know, that's just all they're really looking for. You finally get to meet the Knights of Ren. You've only heard about the Knights of Ren, and right. they've been building them up. Right, and you're just like, I was so yes, hyped Finally, yes. right. They're they're Kylo Ren's right hand men, and Kylo Ren is basically like, I just need y'all to find Rey so I can like seduce her and or kill her, whatever. The the Palpatine wants Rey. Rey sees like a vision of herself like corrupted. Uh, Leia dies. Quite literally, dies like Padme. I think she dies of a broken heart. Yeah. Uh, Ray and Kylo Ren fight on the wreckage of the second Death Star. Kylo Ren sees Han Solo's ghost, and he's like, Hey, son, I forgive you. Even (laughs) though, like, Han Solo really can't be a Force ghost because he didn't have Force powers, but they don't really explain that. So a billion ships appear, and, you know, Palpatine... He's absorbing, like, the force off of Rey at this point. That's all he really wanted Rey for was so that he could just, like, absorb her force powers and make himself stronger. And it doesn't actually turn him back into, like, pre, you know, pre-mutilation Palpatine. It just kind of gives him red robes. (laughs) And he reveals to Rey and Kylo Ren that they're a force dyad, which is a concept we've never heard of in Star Wars ever. Which just basically means that, like, they're two parts of, like, a different coin or whatever, and together they make themselves more powerful. Kylo Ren redeems himself gets Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and beats the Knights of Ren. Right. But he's not quite good enough to beat Palpatine, so he gets, you know, mortally in- wounded. Right, so what does he do? He gets mortally <laughs> wounded by Palpatine and falls into the abyss, just like uh, his father. Right. And then, but before this happens, he gets to kiss Rey because they fall in love. Right. And then... <laughs> Which, at that point, I was like, okay. <laughs> and then... Rey defeats the <laughs> ultimate evil Palpatine by cro- by taking one lightsaber and another lightsaber and putting them in an X while he tries to electrocute her.
0: I would like to add that it's cool to hear all the Jedi's voices behind Rey. So yay for that. Yay for Scar-
1: that. <laughs> and, then, and then at the end you get a, little fla- a cool little CGI flashback to young Luke and young Leia mm-hmm. force training and she takes Luke's... A lightsaber and Leia's lightsaber and buries them at the Lars homestead and is looking out at the twin sun setting. Which I thought,
0: as just a cinematic, what do they call it? The motif. Yes. Right? I thought that was beautiful. They brought yeah. it back to that. And then
1: an no. old lady comes up and she's like, Who are you? And she's <laughs> like, I'm Ray. Ray who? Ray Skywalker. That's the end. The end.
0: As Jacob so eloquently put it, we have reached the end of our journey through a galaxy far, far away. If you'd like to hear even more of my talk with Jacob, where we talk about Star Wars books, video games, and other fun facts that we couldn't fit into this episode, make sure to check out our bonus Star Wars episode coming out this Friday, May 7th. Plus, on Friday, I'll be sharing my first impressions on the new Star Wars animated series, The Bad Batch, which comes out today, so check it out on Disney+. Plus. This episode of The Petri Dish is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All Star Wars names, characters, and titles used in today's episode belong to their respective trademark and copyright holders. A very special shout out and thank you to my co-host for this episode and my very dear friend, Jacob. Please check out Jacob's podcast, Out in the Woods, where he interviews folks in the LGBTQIA community, particularly in the South, and shares their voices and stories with us. So please check out Out in the Woods every Friday, wherever you stream your podcasts. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on Star Wars Day for our journey through our favorite galaxy far, far away. Be sure to join us Friday, May 7th for even more Star Wars fun. Until then, may the 4th be with you, and we will see you next time, right here on the Petri Dish. Goodbye.